Alrighty, everybody. Good morning. Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast. And a happy morning to you, Wiz. Uh, football week one preseason is in the books, and uh, that's kind of what we're here to talk about, a little bit of our observations. So, you know, I, I would be careful to not jump the gun too much. I think uh, we know over time coaches don't necessarily show everything, but... There is some showcasing of players that does go on, especially amongst the rookie. This year, we're not going to see a lot of quarterbacks. I think half the quarterbacks are scheduled to sit during this preseason, like literally not take a snap. So, But we expect to see a little bit more in weeks two and three, and uh, we got a few rookies out there. So um, some stuff to talk about, and I uh, hope everything is going well on, uh, in your neck of the woods. Yeah, it's uh, all good. Uh, just uh, there is, uh, you know, some some breaking news, not like earth-shattering NFL news, but uh, certainly, I guess, uh, interesting in some regards that Tebow uh, was released by the Jags. He uh, put it out on Twitter, and uh, yeah, I know that we had a, yeah, by, uh, we talked about it a little bit uh, at some point uh, earlier, uh, a few, I don't know how long ago it was, but uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know about the people who thought that he was going to be a quarterback, a tight end, or anything like that. I mean, I, he just, I think, I think you know the the transition to tight end was probably the right move. The problem is it should have happened uh, immediately after you know he, he got to the NFL from Florida. Um, it probably would have given him a better shot to have a longer lasting career in the NFL. But uh, the Tim Tebow story is over in Jacksonville. Yeah, and I think you know to, to your point. I mean, look, Tebow had 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 an amazing. Uh, you know, kind of flash of a career as a quarterback in the NFL, that, that kind of magical season that he had with the Denver Broncos where he came in and, and took him to a playoff victory. But, you know, I, I, it, was a, it was long odds for him to kind of establish himself at that position, and, and Jacksonville certainly has a hole at that position. Uh, but, yeah, we can stop talking about Tim Tebow. I mean, look, he brought, probably brought some stuff to the table in terms of his veteran leadership, but beyond that, that's about all, and probably Urban Meyer doing it as more of a favor than anything else to, to his former player. Yeah, but, maybe, yeah, maybe he'll end up as a coach or assistant coach um, somewhere down the line. We'll have to see. But, uh, you know, it's funny. I was just thinking about this. All before the draft, this is all you know about the quarterbacks and how many quarterbacks in the first round and could the first five picks be all caught? You know, like it, it was, and, and it's continued. Um, the talk is not only about those rookie quarterbacks, but some other quarterback situations, uh, you know, Cam Newton situation as he's, you know, I guess fending off Mac Jones at the moment and the battle in Denver between Drew Locke and uh, Teddy Bridgewater as well. But I, I found that, you know, the, the biggest storylines were the quarterbacks, um, how they were used, and in uh, some instances, uh, them not playing. And uh, I don't know where you want to start this conversation, but I guess I'll just start it with Daniel Jones. Um, and uh, our football league has a text, a group text. And uh, as soon as the Giant game was underway, I was just thinking to myself, the Giants are making a, a, a terrible mistake by not playing Daniel Jones. Um the things that he has to work on, um, ball security, understanding pressure, um, his decision-making, uh, not being comfortable in the pocket, those things need game action to improve on. And uh, you touched on this 
on the last podcast, but uh, I put it as soon as, you know, in that text, as soon as the game was going on, like, I, I'm just astonished that the Giants are arresting him and being so cautious with him, like he's, you know, Patrick Mahomes or one of these guys that has established themselves. And uh, I just think he needs to work. And uh, the things that he needs to work on, I think, cannot be worked on in team drills, team practices while he has a red jersey on. He needs to feel pocket pressure and and feel, you know, and, and, and work on ball security as the pressure is getting to him. So I, I just don't agree with what the Giants are doing as far as Daniel Jones is concerned. Yeah, complete disagreement as well. Uh, you know, I've talked around a lot about the Giants on this podcast. I am a Giant fan. I'm, 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 I'm very concerned about uh, developments on this roster, things that have happened, his development, uh, what it means for the players around him. You know, we know there's a lot of noise around Saquon Barkley this preseason, but yeah, not in favor of that. When when Tom Prady, the 44 year old Super Bowl champion, can go out there and play a couple of series or a few snaps, uh, there's no reason to be sitting Daniel Jones. It makes no sense. And you know, look, I, I just think this is a, a precursor for uh, I think a lot of negativity swirl around the Giants this year. I, I expect this division to play out a lot differently this year, and the Giants not to be in the race but you know that that's me at the moment that's my that's my view on it um and and i'm sticking to it but i agree daniel jones needed to be out there and look you know like i said about half the quarterbacks in this league will not take a snap in preseason this year but i don't think daniel jones is one of those players that has that luxury or actually is affords that opportunity yeah and you know different quarterbacks different situations and one other one before we get to you know the rookies and the Denver battle um, is, is the Joe Burrow situation. And this is for a different situation. I know he's a second year player and not that he's much more established than Daniel Jones, but I just am dubious about his situation in terms of that. He had that horrific injury. Um, can they protect him? Can they keep him in that pocket? Can they keep that pocket clean for him? And he's got that injury, and I know I think I read somewhere that he wants to play, but, boy, I'd like to see him in a preseason game get a good hit, get up, shake it off, and get ready for the season as opposed to, like, that first action happening in the NFL week one. So that's another situation. And, uh, you know, listen, I understand it's a franchise quarterback, but you'd like to see him actually get a hit. Um and uh, I'm, I'm just always concerned when you have an injury like that, and then the next year, the first time he's going to actually um, feel that pass rush and take that kind of hit is in week one of the regular season. Yeah, injuries are very mental. And, you know, in the past, uh, e- even the former quarterback of the Cincinnati Bengals, I remember when Carson Palmer got hurt um, horrifically a few years back, the mental hurdle of him kind of getting over that, he talked about this in detail, uh, was something that really plagued him for a, a good kind of season and a half before he could kind of shake off the, you know, the horrors of, of what transpired. And I think, you know, you know, potentially we're seeing that with Burrow. I don't know psychologically how that impacts him when he hears footsteps, how that's going to impact him in the pocket and what that means for his pass catchers. I think it's, I think it's a worthy observation and something uh, that will definitely be scrutinized uh, when we head into the start of the season. And, you 
you know, with quarterbacks, especially these kind of marquee guys, guys that number one, he's, he's a number one pick. You've talked about all these guys that are coming on the heels of this draft this year, a lot of expectations out of them, but injuries, you know, for some of these guys that have played before in the NFL and coming back from those injuries, it's definitely something that needs to be watched. And, and Burrow's confidence is something that, you know, we, we want to make sure that this quarterback, and again, you were talking about an offensive line, uh, well, while it should be better this year, uh, is certainly one that, that in, in the last few years has been a very detrimental for protecting their, uh, protecting the quarterback. Yeah. And, um, you know, as far as the rookies that did play, um, you know, you just can't look at the, the box score and the stat line and think he played great if his numbers ended up being good or he played poorly if the complete, you know, it, it's all, you have to really watch the game. I mean, a lot of times there are, you know, his, his receivers, what I mean, he could be any one of those guys, you know, receivers drop the ball and that ruins, a, you know, the completion percentage, or it could be worse. You know, some passes were could have been intercepted that were not. I mean, so I'm looking more at things with these young quarterbacks um, with their decision making, and we can start with Zach Wilson, where I thought there was some good and some bad, and I, I just feel he's as advertised that arm. He has tremendous arm talent. He could throw the ball from a lot of different arm angles. Mind you, he has that Aaron Rodgers in him. But his biggest um, negative when I watched him is that he a lot of times he doesn't take the easy completion. And I guess that was okay in college because his own talent was so good and he's not going up against guys that are going to be in the NFL. But now that he's in the NFL, I'm concerned about his decision-making. I'm concerned about him not trying to make big plays and just take what the defense gives him. And uh, he had some good throws, but I just didn't like when they got down there, the one drive with him, that he just threw it to a guy that was, you know, clearly had three or four guys hanging over him. And uh, that's the decision-making that I worry about Zach Wilson. So the arm talent is there. Um, the Jets did not have their full complement of receivers um, playing this game. But uh, along with Zach Wilson, I wonder what you thought of Denzel Mims being the sixth wide receiver at the end of the game for the Jets. Yeah, I, I'm, I think there's going to be some teams out there that are going to be watching that situation, i.e. The, the Mims situation pretty closely. You know, we like this player a lot coming out of college. He dealt with some issues, uh, health issues, where he came into camp probably down about 20 pounds from where he was. And, yes, this is a new regime um, in, 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 for the New York Jets as far as the coaching staff in, in, in uh, Mike LaFleur and, and Robert Saleh, who's the new head coach. But I'm, I'm very surprised to see him as the sixth wide receiver here. I know, we know they brought in Corey Davis, Keelan Cole, drafted Elijah Moore, uh, re-signed uh, Jamison Crowder, guys like Berrios here. But to be that far back is, is very puzzling to me and I think there will be a few teams with some kind of issue if you see a player like Mims kind of get cut which I'm you know sometimes if you're the sixth receiver you know the chance of you kind of hanging on to a roster you know that might be a real challenge but I'm very surprised to see it uh, it was a player like I said that both of us like coming out of college this year um, so very surprised on that I don't disagree with any of your points on on, on Wilson either uh, I think one of the things too you're trying to build chemistry with with a lot of new players and a new system so this is going to be a work in progress for the Jets and you know anointing him uh, an all pro at this juncture is, is uh, way too premature that's for sure yeah 
and you have to remember that the Jets, you know, the key guys, the head coach and the offensive coordinator, they have no, uh, you know, allegiance to Denzel Mims. They didn't draft him. I mean, they, you know, he may not be that type of player. So it's not like the Jets took a wide receiver early and then, you know, they're changing their mind on him because it's not the, it's not the people that, that decided to draft him. So I think you're right. And you have to keep your eye on Mims and, and see what the status is of him um, as, as you know, gets closer to the cuts. Um, as far as some of these other situations and quarterbacks go, I mean, I don't know why there are people who think that, that Trevor Lawrence is not going to be the starter of week one for the Jags or there's something going on there. I talked about Urban Meyer with his press conferences and he plays games. Look, there's, there's going to be a lot of good and a lot of bad when you have a rookie quarterback starting. From the you know from the get go, and uh, you know that's going to be the case with Trevor Lawrence. As talented as he is, he looked a little unsure. He took some sacks that he may not necessarily have needed to take. Um, you know he's not going to he's athletic and he can run, but he's not going to be able to outrun like he these players in the NFL like he was able to do in college. And uh, you know there's going to have to be a level of patience with with Trevor Lawrence, and uh, you know. It, I just think when you look at these rookie quarterbacks, you have to take a whole lot of things into consideration, um, and including that the opposing defenses are not playing their number ones as well. So I think, you know, people have gotten a little bit too hyped up, I guess, maybe on the Justin Fields and uh, Trey Lance bandwagon. I Trey Lance had maybe a touchdown pass, but there's a lot of things to take into consideration. These defensive coordinators, not only are they playing – not playing their number one guys, but they're not reviewing their hands. They're not going to, they're playing vanilla basic defenses. They are not showing anybody anything in the preseason game, in the preseason games to let opposing coaches get anything on film as they head into week one. So it's just one of many things you have to take into consideration when you're evaluating players in terms of fantasy football for the upcoming season. Yeah, and I would say this year it, it probably takes on even more importance, that last statement that you made, because of the fact that I think you have you know, so many players that are going to sit. There's a lot of coaches that really don't believe in having preseason the way uh, we, we used to see it in the past. So I think there's going to be a lot of kid gloves on both veterans and rookies, and then, like you said, not showing their hands. I also think, you know, I've said this before, you know, if you have serious satellite radio, go and check up check on those training camp reports, and they're, they're pretty detailed. When you get beat reporters and, te- and, and people and personnel in the media that cover the team all the time and hear what they have to say, and then actually hearing it from some of the coaches, yes, I know some coaches like Pete Carroll blow some smoke up people's butts in terms of the information that they're giving out, but, but I do think you get a lot of insight, and to your point, you know, Trevor Lawrence is starting, okay, that's for sure, and Andy Dalton's starting, and so is Jimmy Garoppolo, barring an injury, and you got to listen to what these people have to say. And, and I think, you know, there, there, there are situations that, and, and especially in Chicago where Matt Nagy fully saw uh, Alex Smith start over Patrick Mahomes every single game but one. And obviously the next year we know what Mahomes did. But, you know, there's, a, there's history there and, and there's patterns that have been seen. But people expecting these guys to jump in the ring that soon, I think they have to be a little bit careful about that. And I think some decisions around your fantasy drafts may have to be included in your decision-making when it comes to, you know, offensive personnel from those football teams. Yeah, and, um, you know, moving to New England with this Cam Newton, Matt Jones, um, 
situation going on. This is, you know, another one that's tough to figure. You know, when you look at the Patriots offense and, I don't know, uh, already Hunter Henry hurt. John Smith, you know, banged up in the game. Nelson Aguilar didn't play. I mean, it's not that they're playing with, like, elite players on offense. Sure, some of them are good players, but it's not like they have overwhelming talent on offense to begin with. Then you add in that some of them are banged up. Then you add in that you have, you know, a quarterback situation going on between Cam Newton and, and the rookie. Uh, so I'm not really, like, watching these Patriot games and making too much of it because I, I got to see what it looks at, like, when the other team is has their number ones on defense and the Patriots have all their guys on offense because, um, you know, the, when those guys were out there, and they were playing with their first-string players at the skill positions, you know, once again, it looked kind of like vanilla to me. Yeah, and it's it, to your point, very, very hard to get a full assessment of what's happening there. I think Mac Jones gives the Patriots more of how the Patriots want to run their offense. You know how I feel about Cam Newton, it's his throwing motion and what's left in that body after all the, the toll of, of his career thus far. So... Uh, yeah, that that's a concern for me, and and, and until I see Mac Jones under uh, center in 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 New England, uh, you know, the, there's really not much of this offensive team in in the passing game that I actually really want to be a part of. I don't trust Cam Newton. I've said that from the beginning. I thought his career was going to be over after last year. Surprisingly, they brought him back on a one year deal, but sooner or later that that baton is getting passed, and I think Mac Jones gives them a better uh, reason to be successful as a football team. But again, that may be a delayed decision based on a number of different factors. So, you know, patience is going to be warranted. And again, that'll that'll affect how how, how the running back situation shakes out in New England as well and how much they actually lean on the running game uh, earlier in the season if, in fact, uh, Cam Newton is going to start the season, which by all, by all, by all accounts, that's, that's, that looks like where we're headed for. Yeah, and, uh, you know, there's a lot of hype that, you know, Justin Fields, he's the rookie quarterback that stood out, and he's the, he's the guy. I think, you know, people have got to temper expectations uh, a little bit um, as far as as far as that is concerned, uh, he did look good. And he was able to use his legs, and uh, again, you know, I, I'm just not buying into any of this stuff until I see what it looks like, you know. And then, you know, look, of course, you have to make projections and figure out what you're going to do based on that. But I, I, I don't. I guess what I'm getting at is not much is going to change in my mind what I think about a player based on these preseason football games because. Um, they're not playing their starters. They're playing vanilla basic defenses. It's not going to be the players, and it's not going to be the type of defenses that they're going to be going up once they start. But I guess the one thing that you got to like about Justin Fields is it, it seems his path to playing time seems a lot easier or more likely, if you will, than Trey Lance and Mac Jones. Um, so I think he has the advantage over that. But, uh, was there anything you wanted to uh, add on to the Justin Fields uh, performance? No, nothing I particularly wanted to add. I, I, you know, you can't take away what Andy Dalton has done as an NFL quarterback either, you know, over the course of his career. And, and even when he kind of recovered from uh, COVID towards the end of the season last year and that injury, he did have a couple of pretty good games for the Cowboys. And I think I think this offense will be better no matter who's under, under, the, under center uh, for the Bears. And it'll, it'll certainly help their pass catchers like Allen Robinson and Darnell Mooney. 
Um, but I think I am watching definitely, you know, the, 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 the Denver situation, as you mentioned, where I do think the skill set, uh, the skill set players are, are very, very strong at the receiving position, inc- including uh, at tight end with Noah Font. And, uh, you know, both quarterbacks had the opportunity against your Minnesota Vikings, who, again, look like a sieve on defense. Uh, but I think both quarterbacks played very well. Uh, right now, uh, you know, uh, Vic Fangio said he's going to give Teddy, Teddy Bridgewater the start in, in the next game. And, you know, look, if Drew, Drew Locke can perform like he did in that game, that's great. If he could do that week in and week out, this is going to be a division where you're going to need some firepower to contend with the other teams. Uh, but, you know, a good start for both of the quarterbacks, you know, probably a little bit of a small edge given he's the incumbent for Drew Locke. But again, a, a situation that's going to be watched throughout the camp in terms of what Fangio comes to his decision, uh, who will be his starting quarterback this year. To me, Denver was the team that played with the most urgency and, and, and desire in the preseason. I'm wondering if the coach didn't tell him, look, we have a real battle here this number one quarterback spot and so we want you guys to like and like you know Javante Williams was running hard Rush Freeman was running hard KJ Hamler looked like he was in mid-season form Jerry Judy uh, was running those crisp precise routes that he always runs and Denver looked like they were playing you know with urgency and you could really see it on the field and uh, I think that's going to end up being a pretty interesting battle between these two guys where you have one quarterback and Drew Locke was much more on talent than Teddy Bridgewater. We have to be honest about these things and when we're analyzing it, but he makes terrible decisions and he plays like he, he, he thinks he's better than he is, which is a problem because he tries to make Patrick Mahomes type plays and he's not nearly the player that Patrick Mahomes is. Uh, so he doesn't play within himself. And Teddy Bridgewater plays within himself but you, you're not going to get a lot of big plays from Teddy Bridgewater. He's more of a precision passer. He's a different type of passer. So it's an interesting battle. And I'm just wondering if this pressure that Teddy Bridgewater is applying on Drew Locke is not going to help him um, be a better quarterback. So I, I, that one is interesting to me. I like the way both quarterbacks look. They bring different things to the table, different skill set. Uh, look like all of the players on the field were playing extremely hard. They just looked like they had a real serious game plan and they wanted to accomplish something. Maybe it was combined with Minnesota's poor defense, but uh, both quarterbacks look good. So uh, that that is a very interesting battle, uh, one that I'm keeping an eye on because, like you said, there are some good you know skilled players, and I am really anxious to see Colton Sutton get on the field and uh, and add to the, that offense as well. Yeah, and uh, I think all the way throughout, you know, Tim Patrick is listed fourth on the depth chart at receiver. We know how he played at times last year. And Hamler, as a rookie, was was certainly dealing with some injury issues. So, you know, Sutton back, Judy back. You know, this is an interesting group. And I I like your comment in terms of urgency because – you know, if you're if you're kind of sleepwalking through the motion during during the preseason, and then you think you can flick a switch and, and head into the regular season and and start playing at full speed, I think for some teams that that doesn't happen. So you know, for teams kind of showing everything now and playing a little bit harder, uh, the the chances that it kind of spills over into the start of the regular season are probably pretty high. Yeah, and then again, as far as I'm concerned, the last thing that I had on my mind was the Green Bay Packers situation with Jordan Love and. Uh, <laughs> it just seems like that Aaron Rodgers just has a, a bigger, you know, controlling grasp of this situation as far as 
what's going to happen with him because, you know, the guy plays one game and ready on so much Jordan Love and he has to have an MRI. And uh, Peter King came out with a comment that he felt after speaking to people within the Packer organization that they just don't feel Jordan Love is ready. Well, you don't need Peter King to tell you that. I mean, you know, they didn't even let Jordan Love dress last year for games. I mean, that's, you know, what their level of confidence is. And uh, I, I just feel he's one of these guys that is very talented, um, but his understanding of defenses and his decision-making are poor. It was seen in college, and that's really going to be amplified when you start getting uh, on the level in the NFL. So I don't know what the Packers are going to do there, but uh, they may want to see if Aaron Rodgers uh, – is going to play to uh, Tom Brady's age and uh, and see what they could do with that contract. But uh, yeah, I think the Packers find themselves in a lot more of a of a precarious situation now because I think they feel within the organization they don't have somebody that they're confident about in the situation if they trade Aaron Rodgers, which leads me to believe that it's going to have to be a team that is going to give them a young quarterback, maybe a Miami or Denver or trade with a team that's in a position to give them a good draft pick where they'll be able to draft another quarterback. But either way, it's a real, I don't know, it just, it does not look good for the backers, you know, front office that a guy that they traded up to get at quarterback is somebody that a few years later they still don't have any confidence in at all. Yeah, that's a that's a messy one, right? And 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 they're in a situation where I don't. This could be a one year rental with Aaron Rodgers, as you said. So it's a it's it's a very challenging one. Uh, and Devontae Adams certainly, with his contract situation, will be watching everything very very closely. Any players in particular that anything happened with over the week one preseason that you wanted to? Uh talk about or, yeah so uh, I think it's hard like when you look at the first game because a lot of players were rested but you know there's a couple of comments that kind of strike me especially where I think there's some room for uh, guys to kind of edge in I say the one guy uh, you, you know in terms of big plays made and and should have been two big plays made but you look at a player like Kez Watkins is that a real situation is this a guy that we actually really should be paying attention to as Jalen Hurts was talking about I think um, I think Chubba Hubbard was an interesting guy uh, back up running back for for the uh, Carolina Panthers and staking claim early on that he is the guy to own if Christian McCaffrey would go down, okay? So that's a situation that I thought was interesting. A a, a head-scratcher that I talked about already on uh, on a podcast where we talked about – Running backs, we've got guys that we thought could kind of have some wide margins of, of, of outcomes. And Miami, with Gaskin not taking the start, Malcolm Brown actually getting the start, uh, again, didn't do much with it. But is that a statement? What does that mean? Uh, you know, Brian Flores did come out to say, hey, you know, this is a, this is going to be three guys that are going to be carrying the load for us here. And I think, well, by the way, that's going to happen on a lot of teams. You know, we are we've moved well beyond one guy being a bell cow team, bell cow, bell cow running back for a lot of teams. You know, you're gonna not, not gonna see that happen, but but little things like that, I, I'm I'm definitely watching for. Um, and, and you know, sometimes, like you said, there are guys like you know, we're looking for a guy like an Adam Troutman to kind of show up. You know, 
By, by the way, New Orleans was a disaster no matter who was under center there. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen. They turned the ball over six times, so that was a real mess in New Orleans uh, in the first game in the post-Drew uh, Brees era. But, yeah, little things like that, Wiz, those are a couple of situations that I kind of took note of uh, that I'm, I'm kind of watching to see what happens. And, you know, I've talked about Alvin Kamara already. Uh, you, you and I have both uh, expressed a little bit of concern about the usage of that player and especially with no Mike Thomas around. I, I think people have to be careful about how high or how much money they're spending on Alvin Kamara this year. I think, uh, you know, you're kind of potentially in for a little bit of a rude awakening on what transpires in New Orleans this year. Yeah, and uh, also, uh, you know, getting back to the Miami situation, uh, Ahmed played played well. It looked like his legs were, you know, uh, lively. Uh, so that could be another dynamic to it. Uh, you know, the Matt Breida situation, he's a different type of running back than the other two Bill guys. And Zach Moss hasn't been able to get on the field. I have no idea what the Darren Waller situation is. There's a lot of things that we hope will clear up um, as we get. And then, you know, Dak Prescott. Now, you know, this is what I talked about weeks ago that I was keeping my eye on it. I didn't like that, that an ankle injury and then a throwing arm compensating you just don't know and it's more than just a nothing burger but they're saying now another MRI showed that it's healing and he'll look to get back on the field but boy you'd like to see Dak Prescott get in a game uh, with all of these things going on uh, than just enter week one uh, of the NFL season coming off that ankle injury and the, and the shoulder you want to see him against the defense that's trying to get to the pass to, to get to the quarterback and throw the ball with some velocity against pressure. And it's just the unknown. And, you know, up until I do, it's going to be tough for me. You know, I talked at, you know, what I was having trouble with as far as we did the podcast about, uh, you know, what we're having trouble with ranking and analyzing certain spots. And I talked about those five quarterbacks and that Prescott was amongst that. And uh, boy, I'm, I'm having a difficult time, with it, you know, not putting him at the tail end of that group uh, with what's going on so far. Yeah, and I think it's kind of reflected. I'm seeing, I've, I've heard, I've talked to some friends who have done some drafts already. Uh, that value on Dak Prescott and auction drafts has definitely fallen a little bit, uh, to your point. So I think, again, a situation that, again, warrants attention at this point in time. And I think, I, I, think I, I guess one question I have for you is, given the two more games left in preseason. And normally that last game of preseason, i.e. week three, is one where you're really resting a lot of your guys before the last before the last cuts are made. Do you think this week we will see, and again, I mentioned that a lot of quarterbacks aren't going to be a field, but do you think we'll see a lot more this week before kind of teams pair it back again in week three of the preseason? I'm, I'm going to tell you something. You know, the preseason used to be so mechanical with what teams would do. Week one, maybe play their starters for a series. Week two, maybe play them two series. Week three, play them like a half. And then week four, they all get rested. With the 18-game season, three preseason games, the fear of injury, all of these things that, that are going on, I think teams don't know what to do. And I think you're seeing the result of that by what is happening in the preseason game. Like, to me, it never made sense to play a guy for a series or two. 
either you plan a substantial amount of time, a half or a quarter and a plus, or you don't dress the guy. What is somebody getting out of playing a series? Because all you're doing at that time is he's not getting anything out of playing, but now you're eating, you're adding in the risk of him probably, possibly, potentially getting hurt, which we've seen. So either you play the guy or you don't play him. And I just feel with 18 games, these coaches, it's just new for them. They are not sure what to do. And I think in some instances, as we talked about the Daniel Jones thing, um, I think the wrong thing is being done. But I, to answer your question, I just think you're seeing such um, erratic thinking because this is new territory for them. Yeah, it is. It is, it is very new territory. And, uh, you know, again, you, then you mix in COVID into it, too, in terms of trying to protect guys as we head into the season. And, and I think we're going to see a lot more of these kind of rest, you know, like we see in the NBA, where maybe on, on a bye week, you'll see a player rest a week before or a week after that bye week if he's nicked up a bit. We know the IR rules are different. So, yeah, there's a lot of different challenges for coaches to try to figure out. And, and I, yeah, I, I, my expectations that we're going to see a little bit more this week before we see less in week three but yeah who, who, who the heck knows how how it turns out and certainly you, you the one thing you want to avoid in, in in the preseason is any major injuries we haven't seen that just yet touch wood and hopefully we don't but you know there are always you know, always players that end up going down and and you know that's something that's a that's a risk anytime you step on a football field before we you know we finish this up you know just this is just off the cuff give me give me one player uh a veteran player, or you know, it could be—it's not really a rookie because I guess the rookies play. Give me one veteran player you're anxious to see. I, I have one in mind. That's why I asked the question. So it may not be fair on you, but I'm sure you'll come up with someone. But give me one player you're interested to see in uh, some preseason action. One player that I'm interested to see in some preseason. Well, uh, while, while you're thinking, let me give you a few an extra minute. I'm going to tell you the player that I'm interested. I'm interested to see Odell Beckham. Um, for a few reasons. One, coming off the injury. Two, you know, he, there's a lot of talk about I'm a team guy now, I'm a team guy now, I want us to win, I don't have to be the main guy, I can just be a part of the team, and I want to see that. But I, I'm more interested to see him on the field and that connection again with Baker Mayfield. And it's a new situation where he has to understand he's not the main guy. He's a complimentary guy, and things have changed since his days with the Giants. So I'm interested in Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, has, you know, the step on the field and see him perform and, and watch his craft and, um, and, and see how that has developed um, and how it's going to develop this year where the main focus for the Browns is going to be their running game. All right, so I, I got two for you. Uh, you, you, you gave me an opportunity, and I, and I don't disagree with you. There has been, by the way, I should mention, and we talked about this player before, but Donovan Peoples-Jones has definitely been the player in, in Cleveland that's been making the most noise. And I know there's a lot of people that, you know, injuries have definitely impacted him, but uh, this OBJ, that is, uh, you know, Jar Jarvis Landry there. But, yeah, like this is a team, a foregone conclusion that they're going to run the ball, and that's how they're going to win football games. But, uh you know, o Odell Beckham Jr. once once ago was a was a special player when it came to fantasy. It's been a while that we've seen that, so I, I, I like that call on the player. Um, I got two guys. One's an older guy. One's a younger guy. So he, so even a younger guy going into his third year. But I it looks to me to be a foregone conclusion that Brandon Ayuk will be the wide receiver to own for the San Francisco 49ers. I think you've talked a lot about the fact that if 
uh, Trey Lance's quarterback, what this means for this offense. But but let's say it's Jimmy Garoppolo to start the season and what have you. But but there's no question in my mind that Debo Samuel is getting ranked behind Brandon Ayuk everywhere I look. Um, and I'm very curious to see if Debo Samuel can stay on the field healthy. And when he has been able to be on the field, he's a dynamic player. And I think he's kind of the forgotten man in San Francisco. So that's a, that's one situation. And the other one is that, that I really want to see is I want to see a guy who obviously what he did with Derrick Henry in in uh, in uh, in Tennessee, and this is in no way suggesting that Mike Davis is going to do the same, but how they use the running backs in Atlanta and specifically around Mike Davis, who I think is kind of one of these value guys when it comes to drafts, both in auctions and in snake drafts. Those are two guys that I'm kind of most curious to see what they're going to do when it comes to the season and, and if they're going to show something in the preseason. Yeah, I mean, I think um, I think there's a lot of interesting things going on uh, with Cleveland. Um, first, I, when you started mentioning about you know Tennessee and you know Alton Smith, I, I thought you were going to you know talk about Julio Jones. Uh, I don't think we're going to see who, uh, Julio Jones um, in the preseason. Yeah, I'm just wondering how much um, this week, assuming that they you know these teams and, and coaches and front offices decide to stick with the same pattern where they're not going to play their guys in the last preseason game. Well, that leaves you just one week, this upcoming week. Um, so we'll see which veterans play, how much they play, <clears throat> and we'll have this discussion a week from now and see – um, you know, what interesting uh, things took place in week two of the preseason. All right. Well, so, yeah, definitely a lot to talk about. And, you know, again, you got to pay attention. We've talked about this before, what beat writers are saying, the guys that are sitting there each and every day watching these teams. I think if you're not doing that, you're making a mistake. Uh, and listening to this podcast certainly helps as well. So Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast, Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts. Thanks very much, everybody, and have a great day, Wiz. You do the same. Thank you.